0: good to be with you friends of course i'm no stranger to atlanta but this is the first time it's been my joy to be in this church with dr stanley and with my friend dan de and then i was so delighted when somebody told me that myrtle hall was the saying you were around winston salem or somewhere last week weren't you and i got the good news and so all that ought to add up to a time of blessing And uh, I am anticipating a great time, though it is a short time, but the Lord can do a great deal in a little bit. Now, uh, when I get up and somebody says that I've been preaching 63 years, folks sort of, well. (laughs) But uh, I went to see my father-in-law the other day, He's 98, and I said, "Papo, how does it feel to be old? And he said, well, you ought to know. <laughs> we have to keep going, you know, with our chins up and shoulders squared. I heard of an old-timer, 90 years old, who was going to take a trip around the world. A friend of his went over to the airport to see him off and said, I declare, you just ought and do this. Well, I may never see you again. He said, no, you may be dead when I get back. <laughs> we have come through quite a year past. I had high hopes of the new one, but weather-wise, we didn't do too well so far on that one. We've had... Friday right year we had the by Centennial, and we had the Star-Spangled Bonanza, we had the Swine-Flu-Snafu, and uh, then Jimmy Carter went all the way from who to who's who. <laughs> <laughs> then we had the weather. But whether the weather be good or whether the weather be not, whether the weather be cold or whether the weather be hot, whatever the weather, we'll weather the weather whether we like it or not. (laughs) I am so glad to be in the church where folks turn out on Sunday night. I've been from one church to another for 38 years on the road, and you don't have any idea how many times I hear that sad refrain that folks don't go to church anymore on Sunday night. Man, I'm loaded for them next time. (laughs) I'm going to tell them they may not hear, but I've been to a place where they do. And that's ample recompense for being in this fellowship. We've had a lot of bad news, of course, Sad news over this land. Uh, We've had a lot of mudslinging and muck raking. Many great men have been scandalized and books have been written and the end is not yet about their so-called escapades. I don't want to get tangled up in that sort of business. Rubs off on you. Bulldog can whip a skunk any time, but it's not worth it. <laughs> and I'm glad to be somewhere where we're talking about good news because that's what the gospel is. And uh, I want you to think with me tonight about a verse, Matthew 12:30. I think it's the greatest New Testament text on evangelism, but I've never heard a sermon about it in my life from that approach. Jesus said, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Now, that text allows for only two kinds of people. It's not relative, it's absolute. We divide the human race horizontally, high class, middle class, low class. God divides it vertically to the right and to the left. And you have here God's eternal alternatives, Christ or anti-Christ. And if you're not with Christ, you're not merely a non-Christian or un-Christian, you are anti-Christian. Now this cuts against the grain of popular thinking. Some folks think that With so many grades and shades and degrees and varieties of humanity, you cannot arbitrarily lump everybody into lost or saved against Christ or with him. Well, we didn't do it. He did it. And in this text, you have uh, our position and our practice. It's stated negatively, he that is not with me. That's our position. It's against me. And then our practice. He that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Dead with Christ, crucified with Christ, risen with Christ, hid with Christ in God, joint heirs with Christ, we must be with him in the heavenlies before we can ever be for him in the earthlies. We must do business with him before we can do business for him. D.L. Moody had a testimony meeting one time in which a man jumped up and said, I've been living on the." Mount of Transfiguration for 25 years. That didn't sound right to Moody. And he said, how many souls have you led to the Lord? And he couldn't think up many. Moody said, we don't want that kind of mountaintop experience. If the vision didn't lead you to make a venture, and if what you saw among the clouds didn't work out down on the cobblestones, And if you don't know how to bring the mystery down to the misery and live it out down here, you haven't seen anything. We must be with him in position before we can be for him in practice. But there's the practice, gathering. Jesus Christ is the great gatherer. You'll be amazed to discover how many times that word shows up and in what connections. He's the gatherer of Israel. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And when in point of time, although he knew it already, they wouldn't have him. You remember what he said as he wept over the city, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem that killest the prophets, stonest the prophets, those that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen gathereth her chickens under wings? And you would not. He's the gatherer of the church. God's not out saving civilization, civilization's not going to be saved, but he's taking out the people for his name. We've heard a lot about togetherness, and all the way from the UN down to the clubs and the societies and the orders and all the rest of it, we try to gather humanity, but only in Jesus Christ will they stay gathered, because by him all things hold together. Will Rogers said when the first disarmament conference was held years ago, and you know what a failure that was, old Will said, and I wish he were living now, I'd like to hear him size up some things that are going on, said those fellers might get together if it wasn't for human nature. Now you think that one over. That's about the trouble. Jesus Christ does something about human nature. All our brotherhood schemes come to know. Geographically, we've never been closer together and we've never been farther apart than we are worldwide today. We're in the worst mess we've ever been in ever since Adam and Eve ate us out of house and home in the Garden of Eden. And what we're doing today is not cutting the mustard. It's not making connections. I was in Knoxville some time ago and they've got a Hyde House hotel there that down by the river and it slants on uh, the Aztec style of architecture and it looks like a power dam. They said a drunk came by there some time ago and saw so it and said, I knew TVA would do it sometime, built the dam and missed the river. <laughs> I wonder sometimes if we hadn't built the dam and missed the river today. Are we making connections? I hear a lot about the solidarity of the human race. The human race is split over Jesus Christ. And uh, the only real race issue in the sight of God is the once born and the twice born. It's very interesting in this gathering connection that after the raising of Lazarus in John 11:47 47 to 52, you remember that the chief priest And the Pharisees got together and said, what are we going to do? This man is doing many miracles, and if we let him alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said unto them, You know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us, that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself. He didn't know what he was saying. God restored inspiration for just a moment to the high priest. They hadn't had any in a long time, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. The majority of our church members. They've been gathered after a fashion, but I wonder how many have been gathered to the Lord. I've just been out in the Texas Evangelistic Conference, a great host of preachers out there. In their bulletin that they got out, they've got a special drive on in Texas, and they said not only does the gospel need to be preached to Texas, it needs to be preached to Texas Baptists. Because we've got scads of church members who don't know much about it. We've got two million of them that can't be located. I don't know where they are, but uh, two million more that don't belong where they live. And I don't know how many more living so low that you'd have to backslide to be in fellowship. And even the professing church is such a mixture that what started out as a sheepfold has become a menagerie pretty well over the land. Any man who is not identified with Jesus Christ in his redemptive work may be working for world peace and civic improvement, social justice and the art clubs and the cultured set and who's who and what's what and every branch and band of the amalgamated sons of the old Adam. But he's gathering in vain unless he gather with Jesus Christ because uh, only in Jesus do they stay gathered then I know that he is going to be the upgatherer. He's the outgatherer of the church now. He's the upgatherer. Matthew 24, 31, he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet and gather together his elect from the four winds, one end of heaven to the other. That's the gathering of the saints. That's the uh, upgathering when he comes. And then he's the outgatherer. Matthew thirteen forty-one to 42, The Son of Man shall send forth his angels and gather out of the kingdom. All things that offend, this is all the bad institutions. We can't do much about them. Them that do iniquity, institution and the people both. And cast them into a furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And then finally, Ephesians 1, 10, and it all comes to this climax that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together all things in Christ, even in him. Now look at what you have in this text with a background like that. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. There isn't any such thing as an inactive church member. Never has been. If you're not drawing people to Jesus, you're driving people away from Jesus, one or the other. We must get over this notion that God's up there somewhere sending down a program for us to carry out as best we can with occasional help from the Almighty. God's down here with us, working in and among and for and with his people. It's his business. We are laborers together with God. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And he's able to make all grace abound so that we always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. I have been greatly helped through all these years by this blessed verse which means that there will always be enough of all that you will ever need to do all that God wants you to do as long as He wants you to do it. Now what are you grumbling about? What are you worrying about? That takes in all the territory, doesn't it? If you're in the will of God. We're all necessary. I read a little fable some time ago about the carpenter's tools after the work was done and he'd gone home the tools had a meeting. There'd been some grumbling among the carpenter's tools. And uh, some of them didn't like Mr. Hammer because he made so much noise. And some didn't like Mr. Gimlet because he was insignificant. And they didn't like Mr. Plain because he did everything on the surface, no depth to him. And they didn't like Mr. Sandpaper because he rubbed everything the wrong way. And they didn't like Mr. Saul because he had such a cutting edge. And after they got through arguing, the carpenter came in and said, Stop your fussing. Let's go to work. You're all necessary. And that's the truth. And that holds in the church just as well. We all have our place. My Lord said, Launch out into the deep. A ship is safe only in two places, in the harbor and out on the deep sea, but never in the shallows. The ship is safe in the harbor, but that's not what ships are for. The church is not a point of arrival, it's a point of departure. It's not a place just to come to to hear the gospel, it's a place to go from to herald the gospel. I heard of a fellow who slipped up to the church door around 12 o'clock and asked an usher outside, Is the service over? And he said, no, it hasn't begun yet. Hasn't begun? Well, it's 12 o'clock. He said, we're having worship now. The service will begin in a minute or two. We're all supposed to go out and do something about it. That's the service. We are the salt of the earth, but we are not depositories, beloved. We're dispensers. We're not salt sellers to store the salt. We're salt shakers to scatter the salt. And uh, when you read these impressive church statistics, you can't help wondering if there's that much soul to the earth, why is the country so corrupt? And if there's that much light, if we're the light of the world, there's as much light as the statistics would indicate, why is the country so dark? Oh, you say we're in the last days and the world's not going to be converted anyhow. God's just taken out a remnant. I believe that, every bit of it. But. I believe that's no excuse for our miserable showing today and the impact we're making on this situation. The gospel ought to make an impact on society. We've got too many morning glories over the land. Bloom on Sunday morning in church. Fold up for the rest of the week. John Wesley started something in England. It was not only evangelism. It had its impact on every phase of the life of England. You read that book, This Freedom Whence, you will find that... Wesley started things, secondary results that washed up on the shores of every continent. But the salt has lost its savor and the candles are under the bushel or under the bed and we've forgotten that we're in business with God. Sometimes I hear people say, I don't know what's the matter, the Lord doesn't use me. Have you ever prayed, Lord, use me, well, stop. Uh, Ask him to make you usable. And if he does, and you are, he'll wear you out. God's shorthanded anyhow. The harvest is plenteous and the labors are few. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Not to show themselves strong in his behalf, but to show himself strong in their behalf. I preach a lot to preachers these days, and I say again and again that if you are usable, it won't be necessary for some talent scout to find you. And uh, it won't be necessary for some pulpit committee to locate you. Everybody here tonight, let me say to you that God is using you all he can as of now, but not all he could. And if we could only get over from can to could in this business. If you increase your usability, God will increase your usefulness. It's no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. Jesus Christ invited us to be his partners in the greatest business on earth. I'm proud of the business I'm in. The president of this firm is the Son of God. And the office doors open day and night, and this little preacher can go in any time and talk with the boss. I've got stock in the corporation, cashing dividends for over 60 years, in my work, I've made my investment, thank God, where banks don't break and thieves don't steal. It's moth-proof, rust-proof. I'm not just a member of the firm. My father's ahead of it. I'm a member of the family. I'm so glad you sang my favorite tonight. I'm glad I'm a member of the family of God. And uh, I'm not just a stockholder. I'm a son. You lie awake at night worrying about your stocks and bonds if you want to, but I know whom I've trusted. I'm persuaded he's able to keep the deposit. That's what the word means. Paul said, I made the deposit. And then he turned right around and said to Timothy, now you've got a deposit given to you. You're supposed to keep your deposit that God has committed to. I'm in good hands. Nothing can pluck me out of my father's hand. I'm graven on the palms of his hands. My time's or in his hand, I call that having the situation well in hand. My bank can't fail and fold up, for I'm a laborer with God, I like my job, it's not urban renewal, it's not the abolition of war and poverty, it's not just trying to improve the environment, I'm not specializing on that. When you're up to your ears in crocodiles, it's no time to discuss how to drain the swamp. We got crocodiles now. You can't stop, take time out for a committee meeting on swamp drain. I like my job, I believe, in having all the peace we can have, and having as little war and as little poverty as possible. But we're not going to meet this situation by building better pig styes in the far country. Our business is to get the prodigals home to God. My Lord's gathering his church. He's out cold ones. He's gathering them out, and one of these days going to gather them up. We're the biggest union on the face of the earth. We carry no card, wearing no badges, just, just gathers together with God. Now one of these days my Lord's coming to make up his jewels. That's another way Malachi puts it that way. <clears throat> We're in the jewelry business. We're gathering jewels. I read of a bishop who was sitting on a train back in the old train days, sitting over by the window wrapped in meditation, as I suppose a bishop ought to be, and a salesman came bursting into the coach, one of these fellows who had just finished reading how to win friends and influence people. He sat down beside the bishop and, of course, knew nothing about being timid. He said, I'm a traveling man bishop thought that one over and said, so am I. He said, I'm in the jewelry business. The bishop thought about Malachi and said, that's interesting, so am I. He said, I'm in partnership with my father. The bishop said, it grows more interesting, so am I. And the salesman said, I'm anxious to get home and turn in a good report. And the bishop said, shape, brother, so am I. <laughs> oh, it's great to be in the jewelry business. I'm not only in the fishing business, and I want to get home and turn in a good report. And when we've caught the last fish and gathered the last jewels, may the master of all good workmen be able to say, not just done or half done, but well done. That Dale declare, and all that will matter then for every one of us here tonight, is whether we are gatherers or scatterers, for he that is not with him is against him, and he that gathereth not with him scattereth abroad. This is a great day for polls. We're always taking a, taking a poll about something. And it usually ends up so many for it and so many against it, and so many undecided, uncommitted. <clears throat> there is no such third dimension, no such third class about Jesus Christ. Somehow we've got the notion today that we've got another group in here somewhere that that don't belong to either one of these. That's not what my Bible says. He that believeth is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned as of now, already. John 3.19, I wish people knew that verse as well as they know John 3.16. This is the condemnation, the crisis it is, just spelled with a K. That's the crisis, the real crisis, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. I don't say to this lost multitude today to make up your mind. You've made it up. Everybody here tonight's made up your mind about Jesus Christ. Oh, you say, no, I, I, I'm not against Jesus. I, 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 I'm in favor of him. No, you're not if you haven't gotten to that point where you're with him, you're against him. I don't say to you make up your mind. I say change your mind. That's what repent means. That's what the word means. That doesn't mean just change your opinion. It means change your attitude. You've got to make up your mind about things. You've got to change your mind if you're wrong. I was with the Sunday School Board in Nashville for a week some years ago, and Dr. Sullivan took me over to his home for lunch and then took me over to the hermitage, General Jackson's home, President Jackson's home. And the black servant there, they thought so much of him that he was buried in the family plot along with the rest of them. Mr. Sullivan said, somebody asked that grand old man one time. And of course you know how stubborn General Jackson was. Said uh, Do you think General Jackson went to heaven? He said, if he made up his mind to go, he went. (laughs) Well, there's some truth in that. You've got to make up your mind to go to heaven. I wouldn't put it that way. There's more to it than that. But you've got to make up your mind. Jesus Christ never neutralized his crowd. He is the issue, and one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Some people say, well, I haven't done anything about that yet. Yes, you have. Everybody in here tonight is taking a stand about Jesus Christ. I don't ask folks, will you confess him as Lord? Because you will. The Bible says the day's coming and everybody will do it. What I ask is when? Now or when it's too late. Everybody's got it to do. They'll confess that he is Lord. That won't make him your, uh, their Lord. Not then, if they wait too long. In the next world, heaven, earth, and under the earth, that takes in all the territory. You're already committed. Well, you want to do away with this nonsense about I've never taken a stand. There's no such thing as doing nothing about Jesus Christ. Isn't it such thing? Now evangelism is the good news that Christ died for our sins, rose for our justification. Repent and believe the gospel. Change your mind. Believe him and confess him as Lord. Because with him there is no such thing as neither nor. There's only either or. And that goes back to with me again. His very name is Emmanuel, God with us. And he said, There are two or three gathering in my name. There am I. Go into all the world. I'm with you. He's with us when we gather to worship and when we gather to work. Oh, what a privilege. Admiral Nelson was one of the greatest British seamen who ever headed a fleet. And the boys on those ships loved Nelson. Sometimes the going was rough. One of the fellows said one day, We haven't eaten, and I don't know when we've roasted in the sun. We have been through everything, but we're with Nelson. They'd do anything to be with Nelson. I wonder why we don't take more delight being able to say we're with him. And the best of all is that withness that's coming. There is no such word as withness, but... When I can't find the word I need. I make one. Every word in the dictionary made by somebody, I've got as good a right as anybody else make another word if I want. <laughs> Have you ever studied the witness of First Thessalonians 4, those precious verses? The Lord himself shall descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. Then which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him and we that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. No wonder it ends up, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. That's a lot of witness. You get with him now and work with him today, you're going to be with him forever. Find out which way God's going, get going that direction. That's the wisest thing anybody ever did. God has a purpose in history. He's taking out a people. He's calling out his church, and that's where evangelism comes in. Sometimes when we see the course of events, we wonder where we're going, nationally and otherwise. But there's a history within history, his story within history. And if we're part of his purpose and his program, all things work together for good. To that end, to those that are called according to his purpose. Sometimes it may not look like it, but when you're going the way God's going, even things that don't seem to fit into your program can be made to contribute to it. All the things work together for good. I never will forget during the Second World War, I'd just concluded a meeting in Baltimore and was due to begin one in La Illinois on Monday night. Pretty long trip across there and trains weren't running on time. And uh, I said, well, if the Lord wants me to preach in the First Baptist Church of the South on Monday night, I'll I'll make it. Next morning, I looked across from where I sat on the Pullman, and there was the Secretary of War. Of course, he didn't know me, you understand, but I knew him. I'd seen his picture. A cat can look at a king, they say. So I looked at him. And uh, he was on his way to Chicago to make a big speech. And he sent word up to the engineer, we must make this on time. And friend, we did. We didn't even hesitate most of those times. And I had the time of my life sitting there. I said, now this big shot thinks they're hurrying up the train so that he can speak in Chicago. The good Lord's just getting me through to LaSalle, Illinois, to start my meeting. (laughs) It's one time I had the government working for me. I tell you, when you get in the purpose of God and the gathering business, the trestles may be high sometimes and the tunnels may be dark, but when you arrive at Grand Central Station, you will find amid all the doings of men and of nations that God was gathering his church. And though sometimes slow, he's never been late. And we'll arrive on time. Shall we pray? Father, it's a serious thing to realize that when we gather in a meeting like this that we are honored beyond any words to speak it, with the personal presence of Jesus Christ. Lord, we're so used to hearing about that in America that uh, it doesn't move us much. Wouldst thou help us by the Holy Spirit to really believe for a few moments? that it's so, it's true. Because if Jesus is not here, we might as well have stayed at home anyhow. But thank God thou art here. And dear Lord Jesus, we know that everybody here has done something about you. They're for or against their gathering or their scattering. We pray that we may consider seriously how we are related to him and do something about it, In Jesus' name. Amen.